Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, we are going to be diving into a bunch of Apple news. Uh, they finally announced the October event, the one where we expect mm-hmm. new MacBooks. That's coming next week, so we'll dive into some of our predictions there. Sherlyn spent a lot of time with the Apple Watch Series 7, um, which I'm sure uh, you love sleeping with, as usual, right? Like, oy, sleeping oy, with gadgets, oy. boy. Fun? No? Sure. Um, sure. Okay. Sleeping with gadgets. That's actually a new new podcast right new there. New column. Yeah. New column, new feature. We'll also be diving into the Twitch hack from last week um, with Manda Farrow from the Virtual Economy Podcast. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Uh, certainly leave us a review on iTunes. That's the most helpful thing for finding new podcasts. And you can always drop us an email at podcast at engadget.com. So, Sherlyn, let's lead off with the thing I think a lot of people are excited about. This week, Apple announced that they're going to have another event on Monday, October 18th. Um, Mm -hmm. We are expecting new MacBooks. Uh, These have been rumored, you know, throughout the year uh, with uh, potentially M1X chips. Uh, Certainly a new uh, 16-inch MacBook Pro would be nice because that thing is getting kind of uh, kind of old. But I, I've been expecting for a while a 14-inch MacBook Pro to replace the 13-inch model. And I feel like this will be the chance for that. Because last year we got, basically they shoved the uh, M1 chip into the normal MacBook Pro case, into the normal MacBook Air case. Like nothing really changed design-wise. So it does seem like now's a good point to jump in. Any thoughts on like where we're headed with MacBooks, Sherlyn? I mean, I think the whole big thing has been M1 for a while there with last year's model. So you're right. I think maybe some sort of, you know, visual refresh is coming. Uh, I'd be curious to see what a 16-inch MacBook Pro with M1 might look mm-hmm. like. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, how, yeah. how and, and also new chips. Are we getting new chips, you think? I mean, it's, it's going to have to be new chips, right? It's been a whole yeah. year, but... I don't. I think the conversation is kind of. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be like an M2 chip, or if it's just going to be like a slightly enhanced version of what we saw last year. So that would be like the M1X. Uh, we we don't know. But I'll say this: I really really liked uh, the MacBook Pro 16 inch when I reviewed it a couple of years ago. That is like the perfect ultimate powerhouse. MacBook, mm-hmm. uh, certainly for mm-hmm. people who want a bigger screen and a more modern design from Apple. It had uh, thinner borders around the screens, you know, had a lot of power, and that screen is just beautiful. So I'd love to see, like, they don't really need to change much with that design, but I'd love to see them shrink down that design 
and bring that to a 14 inch model, which will be even more portable. Uh, you know, g- give us some of those thin screen borders and more power. And um, I think some of the rumors are also saying they could be, uh, these could be mini LED displays, which would be extra bright, much brighter than a typical laptop, uh, not quite OLED but with a lot of the benefits of what makes OLED screens really good. Have you seen Mm. any of these mini LED things yet, Sherlyn, in phones or tablets or computers? Actually, no. Maybe like an odd monitor here or there. Yeah, we saw some at CES. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. But but not on um, a a smaller device just yet. Uh, And the thing you were saying about making like a 14-inch screen and a 13-inch body, honestly, that has to be the way to go, right? Because like you rightly pointed out, I mean, every other PC brand is doing doing it. it. Yeah, everyone else is doing it, so so it feels like time for Apple to bring it over as well. We'll see. I mean, they're already late. How much later are they going to be? Yeah, that's, Apple, that's usually the game with Apple. It's kind of funny. Like Apple leads the way in certain things, but certainly like takes its time yeah. with some others. So it's like when it comes to the you know removing screen borders and uh, you know getting that like Infinity Edge display that Dell has been perfecting with the XPS line. Uh, Apple has taken its sweet time. Microsoft took its sweet time too. So it's just kind True. of funny to see like. Yeah, where they go with this. Um, if, uh, if if the way they can fit in bigger screens is basically by removing a lot of that border around the screen. So that's like the magic there. Like it'll probably look and feel just like a MacBook Pro 13 inch, but just have a slightly bigger display. That'll be nice to see. Uh, there have been rumors around new AirPods, AirPods 3 as well, which... We're overdue them, you know, yeah. We're overdue. Yeah. And we've been hearing like they could look more like the AirPods Pro, which uh, please, sure. I love the AirPods Pro, uh, mainly because uh, they actually fit into my ears. You know, they have swappable uh, different uh, rubber tips uh, that you could use. And uh, they, they're they just a little more convenient and more flexible in terms of how you can plug them in. So bring over some of that stuff to the AirPods. They don't necessarily need to have noise canceling, but uh, who knows? Who knows what Apple can fit in there? But it would be nice to see some new AirPods as well. I don't. Do you have any uh, things you'd like to see in terms of like AirPods or where things go, Sherlyn? I I mean, I'm just having flashbacks to when I covered like what to expect at the iPhone event where I wrote all about the rumors around the AirPods uh, coming and they're still not here. So I think just, just bring them already. I think we're definitely going to, we're probably going to see them. I don't want to say definitely because like, I don't know anything. But I feel like, come on, if, if come it's, on. it's time, it's time. It's certainly so time. We'll like, see. it does feel like they maybe they've been delayed a little. And also, yeah, even though we're all stuck at home, I do find like I still reach for my wireless earbuds if I'm like taking a call or trying to listen to podcasts or something while doing work. And I don't want to disturb the rest of my house. So, you know, unlike a lot of other things, I think unlike the Apple Watch or fitness trackers or, you know, devices you'd use mostly on the go, uh, you can always use a new pair of wireless earbuds. So I'm I, sure Apple's going to keep I, going with those. I, I mean, my experience of that is very different from you because I don't live with other people. So well, I you, you live about... in a box, Sherlyn, right? Like you're, yeah, you're in a so box by need... yourself. You're good. <laughs> I don't need earbuds uh, ever <laughs> unless I'm like, you know, trying to do a podcast recording where I don't mm-hmm. need the sound coming out to feed back into the mic. But yeah, yeah. Um, whereas a watch, I actually still still wear to track like whatever activity I am getting up to. So <laughs> You're sitting over here and now you're sitting over there and yeah. now you're laying down. Yeah. Some of us, some of us go outside. Some of us go work out. How dare you? Know? You? <laughs> you go outside. I don't know what else we can expect from this Apple event. I feel like the MacBooks are the big things. Um, maybe, maybe Max. Yeah, maybe a Mac Mini refresh. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that hard to refresh the Mac Mini. Just throw a new chip in there. So uh, I guess we'll see. I feel like um, 
I feel like it's too early for a new iMac or at least uh, rebranding the iMac. But right. I forget we when just got I the even, colorful. Did I review that one last fall? I don't know. Time. time. Did you get the colorful cute one? With, was it the one with the chin? Yeah. Yeah. The one with the chin and they were colorful. So you, re- um, you reviewed that one. I reviewed it. I don't know. Time doesn't mean anything anymore. But <laughs> maybe we'll see some chip updates across the line. But certainly um, last year when they announced the M1 chip, it was um, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, and Mac Mini. So certainly those... I, I would expect to see new hardware in. New chips, at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, usually with Apple's events, too, we, we take a look at the invite to see if we can make sense of it and see if there's any hints buried in there. Honestly, all there is on this uh, graphic this time around is the word unleashed and then like some sort of motion blur effect that looks like you're zooming into a thing. So that's definitely speed is something they're going to talk about. Unleashed from what? Like what has been holding anything back? We don't know. I don't know. It's just a. It's you know usually just marketing, and b. Honestly, let's just wait for the event at this point. It's just next week. It truly is. It's October eighteenth. It's a few days from now. So just chill. I mean, maybe um, they're uh, unleashing the power of the MacBook. I don't know. Could be our our video team suggests that it might be AR. We mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe we'll see if Apple's AR. This feels like a weird random event to do that. Like if they were going to debut the AR glasses, it would be either their own its own event or do it with the iPhone event, which is the one that everybody really pays attention to. Uh, But certainly it's a good thought. Like we we know Apple's working on something around AR and that's probably going to be their next big, big thing. Um, Yeah. But you know what? Speaking of Apple, Shrillin, like you've been in Apple (laughs) in the Apple (laughs) world for the past several weeks and you just reviewed the Apple Watch Series 7. Mm-hmm. This one has the bigger screen. It's a bit faster. Yep. It looks like yep. the sleekest Apple Watch yet. What do you think of it overall? I um I like it. I think with a lot of the devices that Apple launched this year, you're going to find that this feels iterative. It feels like it's a small update from previous generations, but that's not a bad thing. And I, everywhere that had a review, I think generally said the same thing. It's slightly improved. Don't get it if you have the Series 6, but if you know, you're know you on anything else, pretty much, yeah. it will feel like I have a, a good s- upgrade. I have a Series 4, and I'm like, I felt really good with that one for a while because that oh, was yeah. the first big design jump uh, yeah. since the Apple Watch launched, and that's when they went yes. with the bigger screen and a lot faster hardware. And now I'm like, I'm looking at this and thinking, hmm. This could be nice, yeah. but here's the thing: like, even though I'm, yeah, I go outside, I go for walks, you know. <laughs> right. Um, I chase after my toddler. I still have very little need for an Apple Watch these days. Yeah. So yeah, that I just I feel like I'm gonna sit tight and see like where things go for next year. But certainly, this is something I want to gift to people in my life. It seems like a yeah. good entry point into you know jumping into the Apple Watch. Uh, I don't know why the Series Three is still being sold for. I know it's cheaper. I don't think but it's horrible yeah yeah i don't think it's gonna be around for that much longer i i think they they also have a picture of um the three devices side by side that they are still selling which is the series 3 the se and the s the series 7 you can go on like apple's website to see this and like you just look at the series 3 and you're just like that thing looks janky i mean their marketing picture looks good but that thing if you like start using it the screen's even still square like very very square whereas it's it's you know a little softer and rounded on um the the more recent watches if you're on a Series 4, I, I mean, the screen size... I would size see a big difference, yeah. Yeah, the screen size isn't that much bigger. Like, it's, it's 20% it's 20%, bigger. yeah. 
yeah, yeah for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the you're gonna see like faster charging speed. I think bring a bit more mm-hmm. dif- like of a difference to you. The performance it might be a bit more responsive for sure. Um, but but like I said, like you don't have to, right? Like nobody's upgrading their watches every year. Nobody really needs to be upgrading their watches every few year, uh, two years. Yeah. So it's cool. But but here's one thing, right? Like I think the overall feeling about this watch is that it's still probably almost definitively the best smartwatch around. I'm like thinking, is there a better watch? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for you to hear like, oh, but the Galaxy watch no, or the Galaxy no, Active. No, yeah. yeah I, I, it's just, this is the most like well-designed smartwatch out there. It's full-fledged. It's a very good extension of your smartphone. In fact, the best at doing that. Um, Siri is very responsive on the watch. Every Everything just, you know, it, works it, really well. It just works, which has been Apple's yeah. like... You know, uh, defining yeah line and thing for a while now, but they they yeah. Apple's very good about building like integrations between its devices, right? So like, sure, the best extension from your smartphone is yeah. is from yeah. the people who made your smartphone, which has been right. kind of the problem with Android, right? Like we've talked about this, Google and Android has had sort of the Windows problem where. Sure, let everybody build these devices, but then nothing feels cohesive. I don't know. I've seen some really nice Android watches and things like that, but it's never felt like great to me. I don't know what your experience has been. Like you've seen both, Sherlyn. Yes, Samsung has made improvements this year because it made One UI, I believe, three uh, work better at um, you know bringing things over from your phone to your watch. So things like your Do Not Disturb modes and stuff like that and your apps automatically showing up the way they sort of do on apple watch um that's available on samsung's one ui3 watches so if you have either i think a software update on a compatible device which i think it's only the galaxy watch 4 series um you you'll find it is more seamless than before uh but still it's not it's not like the best but 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 here's where things over in Android or platform agnostic land stand out or or are better than Apple. Sleep tracking. Sleep tracking is one thing that the Apple Watch just doesn't do very well still. And if that's a priority for you, which like apparently no one cares about, it looks like. It used to when uh, I remember when the fitness gadgets were like getting really hot, sleep tracking was a big thing. A lot of companies invested hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars into sleep and health tracking we keep bringing up jawbone but the jawbone app like had a lot of like sleep tech in there for managing stuff uh, fitbit's yeah, but- had this for a very long time uh i'm not sure if fitbit was the very first to, to introduce it but i mean they're not the only ones withings has, they were, a, has a good they were sleep neck tracker. and neck it was fitbit and jawbone but i do remember fitbit had better data but jawbone had like prettier visualizations of everything so mm. I do. Um, Does it give you a nice, like, soothing wake-up alarm? That's kind of the one you thing have, I miss. You have the option of a vibrating alarm. You have mm-hmm. the option of, like, I think a gentle, so-called gentle alarm. Mm-hmm. Not The implementation is slightly different where, like, for, for the watch, if you have it on a charging stand, it, the screen will glow slightly when you're, right, like, near right. your wake-up time. That sort of thing. What I take more issue with is that for sleep tracking to work on the Apple Watch, you have to either have gone through like all of the setup things and like enable your set up your mm-hmm. sleep schedule 
enable like a sleep focus mode it's to annoying. come on automatically yeah. Yeah. or you you enable it yourself when you're about to go to sleep and if you go to sleep earlier than your uh sleep focus mode comes on you have to manually turn it on or your sleep just won't be tracked so poor like i don't want to be too pity like too like sad for me and too like woe is me but excuse me i or we have said multiple times on this podcast how much i hate sleep like sleep tracking wearables and testing Uh them uh but i do it because it's my freaking job and i will lose a night of sleep fine i strapped the watch on i was like all right right, this is the latest i can delay testing the sleep (laughs) the Uh sleep tracking put it on went to bed everything looked fine i I was like double checking the settings because i had been burned before i was like okay everything looks like it's on (laughs) sleep tracking is on sleep focus is on went to bed couldn't basically toss and turn the whole night. It was just like in and out of sleep. And I was like, never mind. At least the watch is getting this bad sleep. At least it's tracking how poorly I slept. Woke I feel up. Like, uh, nothing. Davindra, let me finish my story. No nothing was tracked at all. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I waited. I was like, are you going to sync? Are you going to transfer data? Nothing. I waited another 10 minutes. Nothing. And then I saw in like the health app, mm-hmm. there is like bar like a bar graph where like um on some days you'll get a full like nine hours on whatever um nine hours said that (laughs) right but that's because why my sleep schedule is set for Mm -hmm. nine hours right because i i have goals and ambitions that i never fulfill Mm -hmm. and uh, apparently according to the uh, the health app i have been sleeping nine to eight nine to eight or something or ten to eight whatever it is and for for like a few nights and it just wasn't true. I had not been... So what happened was that it was based on when I used my iPhone, um, that it was logging that time. So it also overlaps and, uh, and and takes into consideration your iPhone use information. So Apple needs to sort that out. Let's just say the the moral of the story is Apple really needs to sort this part out. It's not automatically sleep tracking if you still need to turn on things like sleep focus. I yeah. I really want to see that because Fitbit's they, been able to do this for so long. They should have enough sensors to be like, okay, they're right. they're sleeping now. You could tell the heart rate is there's a little no lower. Like there's something. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that. Like the stuff should just know what we're doing. Um, I will say, I think some of Apple's health tech is just really weird. Um, I since I always forget to wear my Apple Watch, um, I like okay. I rely on just like my phone to track my steps and stuff. I have noticed like the activity app just no longer tracks my steps for no reason. I'm not it's even like, sure of that. If still it's like it's just maybe. waiting. Well, I don't know. It's like one of those aspects is not. It used to track my steps. It used to track movement. Now it doesn't. But that stuff is in the health app. And it's not communicating with the activity app. And I'm very, very confused about how all that works. So it's it's a lot of stuff. it's probably a setting you mm-hmm. forgot to turn on, Davinja. That's the thing. It's like it, and it's not yeah. even your fault. Uh, you know what I mean? It's 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 too many buried elements that you have to be aware of. You have to really go through the user manual to be like, oh, to track your activity through the activity app and have it sync to the health app, you have to agree to everything. Partly probably because of a privacy security thing. I I, I feel like there's a lot of things that they're being very careful and concerned about that are tripping them up um i will also say that like i i mean i had that issue where like it wasn't really like showing up on the health app so i don't know fam like it's probably it's probably something here here's the thing 
I'm still waiting for something to do what the Jawbone app did, which was the really <laughs> smart. Uh, they they had like the smart alarm which tracked your sleep cycle. So basically, yeah. when you were coming out of REM sleep and like the the opportune time for you to be to be woken up and actually feel refreshed and everything, it would just do this like really nice wrist tap. It would just be like, hey, hey. What's up? I Wake up. And you give like it like 30 have... minutes to do that. Yeah. You would give it a 30 minute window because it's never an exact time. But that was always a really nice way to wake up. And that was a gadget I never felt bad about wearing while I slept. But oh, a watch is certainly much bigger. You know, I feel yes, like there's yes. a lot of problems to fix here. So how do you feel about this Apple watch compared to last gen Sherlin? Um, you know, you have issues, but it still seems like the best smartwatch yeah. around. Right? I mean, I like it. I, I. Hey, I feel like there's something that does what you said, by the way, that the mm-hmm. Jawbone up does with detecting your REM cycle and waking mm-hmm. you up at the right time. But I can't remember offhand what it is. Uh, overall, the Apple Watch Series 7 is an improvement over the Series 6 in some very small ways, but it is still an improvement, right? The bigger screen makes a huge difference. Let's not talk about that QWERTY keyboard because LOL, or rather, if I typed it on the QWERTY keyboard, mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but. It would be what? <laughs> It'll be like what, loop. L O L K I L. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be like. <laughs> I'm whatever. looking at my keyboard here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, the bigger screen does does you know bring some benefits like very much easier navigation on some things like entering your lock uh lock screen passcode or looking at your workouts. It's just bigger, nicer, and people with visual uh, impairments can get larger font sizes with new like. Uh, top limits too. And then the other thing is the faster charging. It is significantly, well, significantly faster than the watch SE. I mean, I did them side by side. I did side by side testing with the charging um, and definitely like it's, it's what mm-hmm. Apple said, right? The number of percentage, uh, the percent number that it said is correct. Uh, That's in good. terms of the increase in charging speed, yeah, it's still wa- not yeah. super fast. The watch was never something where I'd sit there and watch the like charging level because normally it's an overnight yeah, I know. charge Me neither. thing. But I think if they want you to wear it overnight, then you need to be able to like put it on the charging stand while you take a shower. So it's like 30 in 30 minutes to an hour. You need to yep. be charged enough for me to take you throughout the day, you know? Yep. I, and, and this time it will. I mean, like it it is about in th- 30 minutes in under an hour, let's just say it got fully charged for sure. Um, in about 30 minutes, you're going to get like 50 to 60%, I think, and which is just enough for a day, uh, depending on how active you are with it. Um, that's, that's already a big, so with these two improvements taken into consideration, uh, it's, it got like one point higher than the series six on our review, partly because we still want longer battery life. We still want that, like there is longer battery life, but it's not noticeably long like not that much longer coming from the series six mm-hmm. um but it's still a good watch for honestly like almost yeah. anyone looking to upgrade almost anyone. i mean and realistically like people also also want uh always on screens you know they want a bigger display um yeah so to match those demands in addition to better battery life it's it is like tougher and tougher with such a small device but I'm I'm glad there's some improvement here. Um, Jonathan Anderson in the chat is asking, "Where's that 60 millimeter watch? Let's go, Big Apple." Uh, oh no! You know, imagine imagine that honkster on your wrist. I feel like Samsung. Ooh. Samsung is fully ready for that. Like Samsung has a Galaxy Do Watch not. Note. Oh my god! Galaxy Watch Note with stylus support. That's Samsung. Um, then just stop giving them ideas. God. But looking at the Apple Watch now and like how big the screen is getting, it's just like taking over. It's the entire face of the thing now. 
Almost, it is not that yeah. hard for me to like look ahead and be like, okay, give me give me just like a flexible OLED wrist strap or something, right? There Which is one. Samsung has been working more towards an Apple, but I could see like how this could transform into sort of a sport bracelet or something that is not I even guess. that's beyond a watch, you know? So have you heard of the Nubia? Nubia yeah. has made yeah. like a yeah, a curved screen, uh almost mm-hmm. like a snap bracelet type of thing. Um and I mean don't forget the Will I Am Pulse. Uh, how can it? I how basically can I a prison cuff or like a handcuff yeah. uh, with a jank? Oh man, I was looking at my old pictures of that thing. That thing was <laughs> wow. Sorry, um, I am. Uh, love your music, yeah. not not your guests. Sorry, buddy. We're Sorry, best buddy. friends. In case y'all don't know, me and yeah, Will. I remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but no, I, I I think people have tried. But do you really want to wear that like big flexible screen on your wrist and you're like it might no. be scorching for your eyes whenever you look at it it may be scorching i'm just trying to think of like what would i because i also don't like wearing watches that much you know so yeah, what would same, be the well, thing that i actually would want to wear and that's that's kind of where i go back because now i'm like okay do yeah. I, maybe i should just get like a nice classic watch because yeah uh, i don't need more connected stuff i don't need more notifications uh, yeah. it's kind of a weird place we're at. Um, so but yeah, may- yeah, maybe a hybrid, maybe like uh, one of those Timex or fossil hybrids maybe. or like, yeah, or I've got, I've got that enough also tracking. tracks things. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel okay. like I've got enough tracking. So I basically use my Apple watch as like an activity tracker and not I like see. a da- daily wear thing. Right. Um, I will say this pro tip for new parents, uh, Apple watches or any smartwatch is yep. a perfect way to distract a crying baby. Just perfect. Oh. Just like. <laughs> Put your wrist next to them and let them like poke and prod Aww. and like, you know, turn the dial like that. That is a, a useful parenting tool. So I've used it a lot for that. And maybe that's why my daughter Sophie is so good at touch screens immediately. But also every kid is good at touch screens because it's so super organic. So, yeah, I don't know. It's another use out there for parents. And if if we're talking about like Dreamcase wearables, uh I, I wondered if I wouldn't mind wearing a ring, a smart ring so much to bed to track sleep. Because I do think tracking sleep is important. If Fit oh man, Fitbit, if Fitbit took its sleep tech and just put it on a ring. How about wow. not wearing anything? I don't want to wear anything. I don't, don't want to wear, wear any other devices either, when I'm going to bed. Agree, I'm not even talking about what I wear when I go to sleep. Like I just don't want to wear anything. We're talking about um, gadgets, yeah. Gadget wise. But there have been a bunch of like bed gadgets, right? Something that slips yes. beneath your pillow or beneath yes. like your mattress. Pressure sensors. So there there's a lot of that there. Our video team is blushing. Listen, I yep. can't I just I just mentioned things. What comes into your head is all Parental you. Parental advisory. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, there there there's so many smarter things. Uh wasn't there what was the radar thing? Was that Amazon? The radar sleep tracker? No, that was Google. Uh, yeah. Google using its solely tech in the smart display right. to track your sleep, which some God. people found creepy. I love the premise that you don't have to wear anything gadgety yes. to bed to track but your sleep. But then your things so have, to, cool. uh, have to watch you. So Yeah, exactly. There's always a trade-off. Um, I, th- I think uh, the, the eventual solution is just like a terrifying robot at the foot of your bed that just watches watching you. watching you like that. Yeah, like- yeah. And if you move, it like moves with you. It's like, hey, still up, oh, no. still up. The Amazon robot. The Amazon Astro. robot, and it looks like a oh, Dalek no. from Doctor Who for some reason. That's uh, that's where we're headed, folks. Um, <laughs> any any big takeaways from the Apple Watch, Roland? Basically, buy it if you if you need a smartwatch and you have an iPhone. It's good. I mean, the the SE is really good if you're more budget conscious. Um, but if you're looking to get the best smartwatch there is, yeah, that this is the one. 
What do you think about, uh, people keep asking for like Android support eventually. And that is actually something that Apple is getting better at. Like I look at um, the Apple TV app now, which is on Roku devices. It's on game consoles. It is everywhere. I, yeah, people don't need to buy an Apple TV box anymore because right. you get all your iTunes stuff. You get pretty much all the advantages of Apple TV content anywhere. Yep. So yeah. that's better for Apple because they want Apple TV Plus to be a success. But right. how about this thing? Do they care about opening this up to Android, do you think? I I, I, I don't know <laughs> if they ever will. Have they ever opened up like any no. other device to Android? No. So I, mean, I, do- I doubt it iPods, like remember when iPods sure. first launched, they were Mac only, and then going to Windows and bringing iTunes to Windows was like, oh yeah. my god! But that was such a I pain. Believe- it was a pain. Ugh. It was a pain. I but I, yeah, it does seem like, hey, you guys have the best fitness gadget on the market yes. right now, and the best smartwatch. You just like l- look at Android watches; they are yeah. floundering. Like everything is suffering. It's been a a decade of failed Android watches. Uh, all Apple has to do is release an I app. I wouldn't say they say, all failed, but okay. I get yeah. what you're saying. That we got, we got struggling. so hyped. We got so hyped over the, cur- yeah. the circular display on the Moto 360. Yes, the Moto I remember 360. the hype around that. It's like, guys, we are just like, we're just, you know, coming after scraps here. You know? It was so pretty. It, it still really is. Um, it's just too basic as a system. Now, uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think that like, Android compatibility would be goals, but mm-hmm. I, I think Apple would have to think hard about how to because it, it just needs then it will have to you have to make someone poor 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 engineer over at Apple buy this an Android is Apple's phone the biggest company in the world. <laughs> Apple's the biggest company in the world. What do you they're sitting on? You have to build hundreds subject, of billions of dollars. Yeah, subject this poor engineer to Android. How dare you? <laughs> how dare uh, you? No, they'll have to they'll have to figure out how it works. Right, they have to yeah. figure out how to make all these features that work so seamlessly on mm-hmm. the watch. Have you know Siri? Are they going to use Siri or Assistant? Are they going to you know like there's a lot of questions there's I think they have to answer. Yeah, but I think so people would uh, people would accept a bit of slow down, a bit like less direct integration. If like, hey, you could use this on an Android phone. Um, I'm looking at basically Apple Fitness Plus, you know, and like these services Apple has. If they want their services to succeed, they have to open it up to everybody, and that's what they did with TV Plus, basically. Yeah, but Fitness Plus for now isn't even open to the entire iPhone ecosystem. I know. It's just I know. Apple Watch. So they had to start from there. And I think they will, they will first see Fitness mm. Plus open to iPhones before we see the watch open to Android. I mean, I no, I think they have to keep it tied to to Apple Watch. But if you open Apple yeah. Watch to Android, but, there's your path, you know? Well, we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> happens first. Yeah. If only Apple, uh, one of the biggest companies, I forget if they're actually the biggest market cap at this point. Mm. If only Apple had enough money and, you know, power and engineering talent to <laughs> yeah. if only build they something made for some Android. Money. If only. Yeah. Uh, maybe one day. <laughs> we'll see. Thanks, Sherlyn. <laughs> one piece of news we couldn't get to last week uh, was a major hack on Twitch where apparently all of Twitch, the source code, data, revenue figures, like everything from Twitch going back several years was leaked onto the Internet. And I really want to like dive into to see like what this means for the gaming economy, what this tells us about streamers. So joining us to chat about this is Manda Farrow, co-host and producer of the Virtual Economy Podcast. Hey, Manda, how's it going? Hello, it's going fantastic. How are you? Doing well. And, uh, you know, this seemed like a pretty big deal. Uh, what was your first reaction when you heard this news last week? My first reaction when I heard this news last week was, I'm sorry, they took everything. They took everything. Including the source code. Yep. Oh, no. 
<laughs> the, that the, was the, genuinely my first reaction was, <laughs> what? Oh, no. Yeah. That's everything. Of, of the, the quote that was given, I think it says the entirety of Twitch.tv. And for me, this is the first time I'm seeing that quote and I'm still processing it. And I'm just like, what? Everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Proprietary so, SDKs, records, everything. Yeah. Including some data that includes like a Steam competitor, mm-hmm. which was <laughs> wild. I sat down when I read that. I'm like, I'm sorry, whomst? What are we doing? Okay, this is some Amazon shenanigans. Clearly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how how can a how can something on this scale happen? Like, wouldn't there mm-hmm. be protections in place? Like, do we know how it happened at all? I don't think that we have any any concrete information coming from Twitch just yet. But I know that Infosec Twitter was a buzz about this and talking about how profound this hack was. And uh, as we know, at the same time, you know, what what happened with Facebook as well, with Facebook going down with their DNS being essentially rerouted. You know, we had some big, we had some big hacks last week, which was, it was quite devastating. From what I understand, Twitch knew that there Mm -hmm. were security issues and they didn't do anything about it. They were informed by their security people and they're like, okay, well, cool. you know, we got other things to worry we'll, about. We'll deal like being with it profitable. We're going to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're uh, we're Twitch. What oh, does it matter? What does it matter? Oh, By the way, this is a uh, so former IT guy in me coming out here. Like this is this is what happens every time there's a major hack. Like either the IT people or external security people are like, "Hey, fix this. This is going to be a problem." Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever." Nerd. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get yeah. to it. We'll get yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we're in growth mode right now. Don't mm-hmm. worry about us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put it on the list. So, Put it on the list. Put it in Jira. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. So <laughs> it, it does kind of show, like, were they, yeah, they're in growth mode. They're just preparing so much. They just want to be a success. Is this basically part of the problem being, you know, focused on success and growth at all costs and not thinking about, like, the the overall health of your platform? Because it's certainly not just Twitch that is guilty of this, but this is one of the biggest leaks we've I've ever seen. I, I, I would agree. And I think that because there, inter- there were people inside the company saying, no, this is going to be a problem. And it's not even just the problem with the hack. It's the problem with the hate raids yeah. that we've been seeing. And those hate raids have been around for a long time. It had, raids had been abused for years, but the hate raids especially started really kicking up can you, know, you, can you explain year. like what a hate rate is and kind of how that sure. what a rate is too on Twitch? Yeah, so on Twitch, a really great way to go and end your stream or even in the middle of a stream is to go over and hit slash raid. And mm-hmm. usually, you just go raid your friends. Sure, you go and and send the love over to you know you bring your community over to your friends' stream and be like, here's my community. Mm-hmm. Like like to add my community to yours. So all the people watching your stream go to another stream. That's right. Everybody that's sitting on my stream will go to another stream. Now, how hate raids have worked is that it is bots following usually women and people of color, especially women of color. It happened. It has happened to an exorbitant amount of times. Exactly. Like I've been bot raided, which was bad enough, but I've never been hate raided because I'm a white woman. Mm -hmm. It's just it hasn't happened. But I've I've seen it happen to really good friends of mine. Um, one of the people that was at the forefront of the day off Twitch, you know, Wreck-It Raven was being hate rated all the time. So that's, you know, bots end up following. They send through hateful messages, misogynist messages, racist messages, just lots and lots of hate. And they overwhelm the moderators. 
because normally on Twitch, you have a moderation team. You have like one or two people. If you are a smaller streamer like me, you know, I have sub a thousand followers. So I have like a tiny little moderation team and they're just my pals. Um, folks like Raven have a team of like 10 people in and out of their chat at any time. And the hate raids made it impossible to keep up with all of the messages, to keep up with all of the bots. And putting everything in follower mode was really challenging because that helps limit your growth. Right. Because people right. that you're not friends with can raid you. And sometimes you get raided by huge streamers. And that's really growth positive because you'll get more bits, you'll get more subscriptions, you'll make more money. Mm -hmm. So it's like the social nature of Twitch, like it's a, like you could close off comments, yes. right? And you could like end chat, but then you will never grow. At that point. It's true. Yeah. There will there you limit your organic growth mm -hmm. as a result. And that's the other thing I really wanted to talk about was just how devastating it is to see the streamer economy floundering essentially the way that it is because if we look at the top 100 earners on Twitch, they're mostly men and we I think there's like 3 women in the top 100 earners. And only one is a woman of color, and that's Pokimane, you know? And it's it's devastating to even look at the top 10,000 streamers, which is the – it's a tenth of a percent of Twitch making any any kind of reasonable amount of money on this platform because Twitch takes 50%, right? So any subscriptions that you get, any bits that you get, and bits are like current or platform currency, essentially – Twitch is going to take 50% of that. Most people don't make more than like 100 bucks every couple of months if you're a small streamer. And if you're a larger streamer, you're making like 30,000, which is what? Like minimum wage? Yeah. Yeah. It's barely. wild. It's it's that, barely, yeah. That's crazy. Like especially I, I I think what tends to like draw headlines is like look at how much this top Twitch, you know, person is making. You could do that right. too. If you join our platform, like it is a big like call aspirational. Card. Yeah, it's aspirational. It's like, oh, th this could be you if you want to play video games your entire life. But so many people like f so many can barely like make a living on it. Um, There's I think nine million streamers, <laughs> right? There's nine million Twitch streamers alone mm -hmm. creating content on a regular basis. And of those 9 million Twitch streamers, if we look at the top 10,000, they're not, they're barely making enough to survive on the platform. Now, they do have additional sponsorships and paid opportunities, and they have merchandise and everything like that. So they are able to at least, I don't know, stay afloat through other means. But this is the big issue with this, with the gig economy, the creator economy, is we're all beholden to whatever platforms we end up on. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a good point like I, I have seen a lot of streamers like with their own merchandise and stuff and that is okay you're, and you're not fan house yeah. and you know yeah. coffee so so that's not going to be so twitch isn't going to take 50 percent from that but then you're still giving up money to whatever other platforms you're on like you're dependent on those things i am wondering too like are we just in a does this show like the weakness of the streamer economy right now because twitch is pretty much the place it is the place you stream because YouTube gaming exists, you know, Facebook gaming exists, but nobody, nobody really watches those things. Like they need to pay top people to go over for people. Which to pay is what they did them. for with Dr. Lupo and Tim, the tap man. Yeah. Those are big, big, big Twitch streamers. Or they were big Twitch streamers until YouTube gaming said, hey, mm -hmm. we'll give you lots of money if you come hang out with us. 
And both of those streamers are like really, really nice humans. And I'm I'm very glad for their successes, genuinely. But we saw that with Mixer as well. Mixer was mm-hmm. trying to yep. take a slice of the market share and, you know, RIP Mixer. I want to say always. RIP like, Mixer. Pour R- one out for Mixer. Pour one. They had some really cool tech. I do remember that they had like ultra low latency streaming. Oh, yeah. The light, the light speed streaming was revolutionary back mm-hmm. when they were beam.io. I wrote a, I think I wrote a piece about that over on one of the one of the sites I freelanced with, but it's it's so important to have additional competition out mm-hmm. there. And there's no competition for Twitch. None. That is they're the market leader, and that's mm-hmm. where everybody is. So it, Yeah. This kind of and this kind of goes back to the Facebook problem too, just having like one oh, yes. dominant company in that space. Except like Facebook for for all of its problems, it was like at least fairly competent in terms of like building a robust platform that could support all these people and everything. Um, Twitch just feels like this thing is like held together by duct tape in a way, but it's managed to be very, very popular. Um, it it's does, a very profitable piece of duct tape. Basically. Yeah. Like rather than invest in engineering. The mixer thing is worth pointing out too, because that was Microsoft bought that the full, yes. the full power of Microsoft and, you know, the Xbox marketing machine, like everybody was and trying to make, still couldn't make it go. Mm-hmm. They still couldn't make it go because they were, they were gaining ground marginally. Like if we look at some of the data that uh, I believe we've seen either from Streamlabs or stream elements, one of, one of the, one of the tool and service places, they tend to put out monthly um, monthly reports about who's making moves in, in streaming. And they were gaining ground, like very small bit by bit, but they were moving. But even then, Microsoft's like, we cannot make this engine go. We just can't. And we and we tried and tried and tried. And they poured so much money into it and so much money into streamer acquisition and eventually just ended up partnering with Facebook Gaming. And they're like, all right, well, you can take our Ugh. take our partners, Ugh. you know? And I yeah. really, really, yep, yep, really yep, 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 yep. dislike I really dislike that because I was on Mixer yeah. and I ended up having to go to Twitch because I'm like, I don't want to go to Facebook. It was nice to have other, <laughs> you, it was nice to have other options. Go ahead, Trillin. Was uh, Mixer taking the same cut as Twitch? I don't know. I wasn't an affiliate on Mixer yet. Okay. I'd only just started streaming on there. I think that it was probably comparable, mm-hmm. okay. but I don't think it was the same. I know that for Facebook gaming, I think that it's much more generous that streamers mm-hmm. get to keep, I think, 70% of their earnings, if not more, if you're a small streamer. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that's what's interesting to me is that like fifty percent is a big cut. And it's huge. Take, yeah, and then for the all that money they're taking from people, they couldn't even protect the information. Well, they couldn't, you know. No, they don't protect <laughs> the information, and quite frankly, they don't protect the streamers, which is you know brings us full circle back to the back to the hate raids and what so many streamers of color and so many women or gender non-conforming streamers had to deal with. And they just were not protected. Even on the front page of Twitch, they weren't protected Mm. during, Mm. you know, Black History Month or during Women's History Month or Pride Month. It doesn't matter. They just could not keep up with all of the hate on their platform. And those alarm bells had been sounded for years. And there are still people inside the company that are sounding those alarms. I I do have a question. What did we learn, if anything, uh, in addition to what was leaked from the from the hack? Like, is there any any insight into how Twitch is run that we didn't know before? From, from docs that might have been revealed? I don't think we have that information yet. From what I At understand, mm-hmm. it was a raw data dump and okay. it was part one. From Ooh. what I understand, it was part one of a, of a data dump. And I don't, I don't know how much more these hackers are going to end up releasing. 
But I would imagine we are going to see more documentation. One of the things that I found to be the most interesting Mm -hmm. is that they were planning this steam, this like steam like service uh, over on Twitch, which was very interesting because if you'll recall, Discord was doing something similar for a little while. And everybody's kind of like started to move in that direction sure, and then sure. they realized, right. oh, wait, the market leader. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be hard to compete the with. The code name was Vapor, too. It was Vapor, just yeah. Like, <laughs> Could you get doing. any more obvious? <laughs> you see what you're doing. And all these companies, all they want to do is just copy from each other. But, you know. Sure. But yeah. if you can innovate on it, then great. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's why that's why we have technology mm-hmm. yeah yeah competition yeah. is always good mm-hmm. but at the same time we haven't learned too too much about how twitch operates but we did mm-hmm. learn a lot about how the biggest content creators operate mm-hmm. and what they are taking home and what the rest of the the content creators on the platform in fact are not taking home all i'm hearing is that i should not start my own twitch streaming account Maybe. i have a twitch account but i'm not gonna start streaming on there anytime Maybe soon. for fun it's it's the thing yeah. too. Like I wanna I wanna be able to stream somewhere and like uh, maybe some occasional role playing games or something and do it for fun and sure. not feel like I'm beholden to like a terrible platform too. And what are what are my options? Right, YouTube right. gaming, Facebook gaming. I feel like YouTube gaming may be the most like neutral of all of them, but it's still I like beholden so. to yeah. But it's still YouTube. It's still at YouTube. The end of the day. Yeah. It's still and Google. it still has a ton of it still mm-hmm. has a ton of issues as a result. And there have been plenty of plenty of problems with YouTube as a platform, even if YouTube gaming kind of sits right next to it. There are new streaming platforms that are coming out more and more often. There's I believe there's one that's supposed to be coming out in November. And I cannot for the life of me remember the name of it, but it's very mental health focused and very focused on safety and security. There's also um, there's DLive, there's Caffeine. Yeah, there are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some of these other platforms that, you know, they exist, but their their install bases are so minuscule that Mm -hmm. content creators are not necessarily going to be able to do what they need to do in order to make the money they need to survive. I just feel like we also might want to remember twitch's owner is amazon yes and like yes. that is the problem that's not yeah. great either <laughs> like come it's on not great. No, it's bad so uh, it's very bad and the twitch thing just seems like we i brought up the comparison to facebook but it is essentially that right it is a giant social platform that's prioritized yep. growth over everything else in terms in not keeping its people safe and not keeping like itself secure um yep. but this seems like the logical conclusion of like an internet built on these services, right? These services that only prioritize growth. So it does make me growth, think back. Profit above people. Everything. People mm-hmm. don't matter. Planet doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, just profit. Just Head profit. empty, only profit. <laughs> oh boy. Yes. It does make me miss the days of like the internet, the mid nineties, right? Where every, it was just the wild west. I remember. It was a weird time. Oh. It was lovely. Oh. It was weird. Everything was kind of broken, but it was also like, there was a freedom to it all and like a, coffee a, FTP. Oh, yeah. A neutrality to it all. Right? I do. I do feel like the story of like where streaming goes is also going to be the story of where social networking goes of like Agreed. these other services that can maybe be a little more decentralized and uh, not be beholden to these giant companies that don't want to actually take care of their users. So I guess the users are the product, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a free platform to join and all of these platforms are free platforms to join. So 
you're the product. Your data is the product. That's what they are selling. That's what they're making their money off of because it's, you know, they're making their money off of you, off of us as creators. You're the product and you probably won't end up being a Twitch millionaire, but you will be like, if you contribute, you will be contributing to the content Amazon needs. All right. They need content. They need people to keep producing stuff. Otherwise Twitch doesn't exist as a service. So it's really, you'll be a glorious hundred air. Yeah. You'll make a hundred dollars. Maybe. If Every might, three months. I, I, I mean, look, I, I, I agree with a lot of what we're saying, right? The centralizing is, is not great. It's just, it's kind of a conundrum though, right? Like you, it is. You, you, because you can't expect the audience to like be alternating between three different video services all the time. Just be like, oh, we're going to watch YouTube today. We're going to watch Twitch another day. A lot of people are just going to pick their favorite service with their favorite exactly. content and just go watch it. So whatever ends They're going to the follow their popular, favorite content creators. And exactly. like that's that's really what it comes down to is the audiences exist because the content creators have created the audience, essentially. They've, they've made that their community, their space. So a lot of folks will go follow their favorite streamers no matter where they go or their sure. favorite content creators no matter where they go. Mm-hmm. But being a content creator from like being a full-time content creator, and I am I am not a full-time content creator by any stretch of the imagination, but I have tons of friends that are. And it's hard. It's hard, you know, having to create content for like your fan house or your coffee and then going on TikTok and posting your live streams and then highlights and clips. And it's just like, it's exhausting. I don't know how Mm -hmm. a lot of them do it full time. Yeah. They're heroes. (laughs) It's it's rough. Heroes of the internet. Even just doing a couple of these live streams and doing podcasts and stuff like it, it kind of drains you. Uh, you know, yeah. one thing I want to mention is uh, there was another hack on Twitch. There was uh, on October 8th, there was the hack where uh, various pages were defaced and Jeff Jeff Bezos was the pog champ. Do we expect to see more hacks? Because, hey, the source code is out there now. So people who want to attack Twitch know exactly how to attack Twitch. They know their vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it would not even remotely surprise me if we ended up seeing more hacks in the near future. Twitch has a lot of work to do because that is a if that is the current build and they don't have anything else, you know, sitting behind firewalls or anything like that, they're they're screwed. And we're going to see more stream keys needing to be reset, more passwords needing to be reset, more data that we're going to see dumped onto 4chan potentially. So I, yeah. I, I look again, it's a very complicated issue. I will say uh, Julio, our, our video um, streaming technician slash king, um, <laughs> <laughs> points out that following content creators didn't work for Ninja on Mixer or Shroud. I was, I was um, going to point that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So so there's part of this that also has to do with like, it's not just the content creators. There's also just going to be big platforms with already built-in audiences that if you're a new small yes. creator, you're looking to tap into that, that number of, of, of audience uh, members, you just have to start somewhere. You're going to pick the one that has the most. Um, exactly. People. You're going to pick the platform where you're going to see the biggest success for the lowest lift because when you're first starting out, you don't have the time or the money or the resources or, or whatever it is in order to invest in smaller platforms. Yeah. You know, that's, that's Which is the why deal it's hard. here. Yeah. 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 That's it's hard basic for the economics. smaller platforms. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just basic <laughs> economics. It's so tough too, mm-hmm. because as much as we want to say like, oh, just leave Twitch, you know, go somewhere else. It's not, it's not reasonable or feasible exactly. for so many content creators for so many reasons. And one of the biggest reasons is audience. Yep. 
Absolutely. I do. We're going to have to wrap this at some point, but I do, I do think like the future of the internet can't be this. It can't be a single platform kind of devouring everything and an entire market and controlling everything. Um, there are a lot of like academics and, you know, people who write about the, the ideas of media theory say like, we, we gotta like decentralize the internet in a way. And I think that's kind of the thing, right? We can't just have everything behind Facebook or everything behind Twitch. But if we had a way to using some of the tech uh, we've we've all used, like um, some peer-to-peer stuff or like the way BitTorrent can share a file across a lot mm. of people, like I'm waiting for the day when like I could, I could just do something, like I could control kind of where things go, uh, launch my own stream that's like propagated throughout the internet and shared peer-to-peer with everybody and not rely on like, yeah, Amazon's That's own the platform dream. and their services and everything. Yep. So I hope we get there, guys. Like, I miss the old internet. And I'd love to get us back there. I also miss the old internet. <laughs> as As old as that makes all of us sound. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yes. I miss yes, the we're old boomers. internet. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's fine. We're just, we've, we're just hyper online forever. All right. Thank you so much, Manda, for joining us. Where can people find your work and where can they find you on the internet so you can find me on twitter i am at amanda farrow Mm -hmm. and you can also listen to my podcast that i run with my partner mike footer who has also been on this show love mike and yeah i think we saw him running around the background right or where he was he's sitting he's sitting next to me that was my Uh eldest coming in after (laughs) high school um (laughs) yeah she's adorable we Mm -hmm. love her so you can follow our our exploits with the Virtual Economy podcast, which is about the business of games for the rest of us. You don't have to have an MBA in order to listen to it because Yay. we make it fun. We make it Yay. silly. We make it accessible. So if you're curious about what goes into the financial, legal, and otherwise underpinnings, um, you can follow us on Twitter at, at virtualeconcast and virtualeconcast.com. Yay. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Let's move on to some other news. And uh, the big news is that there's so many events happening. So many. It's not just Apple. It's Google. It's Samsung. It's Sony. Everybody. What is, you tell me, Sherlyn, like what is going on and why is everybody doing it this next week? Basically, I think uh, all the companies that I cover, specifically the three main companies I cover, all got together. They're like, how can we really screw with Sherlyn? Techtober. Like, this is all specifically about her. Yeah. 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 And I also didn't want to like be too mean, but like there were definitely people (laughs) who were like, well, Techtober is over, right? I was like, ha! Uh-huh. Who would? Yeah. Why would you say that in the middle of Techtober? No one knows. Don't curse no us one, like that. You don't. A you yeah. A you jinxed it and B like come on. There was always gonna be more. Come like come on, come on. Anyway, October eighteenth is Apple's MacBook event, like we talked about at the top of the show. October nineteenth is the <laughs> Pixel Six event, which we talked about <laughs> last week. So we already knew a lot of this was coming. I don't want to like point fingers at anyone. Samsung came in clutch with like an event October 20th oh called, my God. The, called Samsung Unpacked Part 2. Part 2. We never knew it was a part one, <laughs> but okay, here's a part two. This is why this and, is why I make fun of Samsung. Because they're like, what, what, you got you guys are having a party? We weren't invited to party. To, okay, we're gonna throw our own party. We're gonna throw our own party the day uh, after your party, okay? Okay, but God. to be fair to Samsung, my never. sense. My sense is that they actually have had this date down for a while. 
even before Apple announced October 18th. But sure, then to sure be fair to uh-huh. Apple again, they had October something else, I think, and then went with 18th because we're like, ah, I guess we'll get in before Google. Um, And uh, Samsung, I already... So I don't know if like... I, we had that info under embargo. We've known about Samsung's date for a bit. I'm just like, that's not a great idea, but fine. Apple announced after we knew about Samsung. So so really, Samsung didn't technically come in last. Sure. But no, because like, you're right. you know, it, it just publicly played out that way. And like, poor things, all of you. Well, me. Uh, <laughs> but if y'all are excited about industry events, hey. Next week's going to be a very fun one. On the, 19th, uh, on the 18th, come over to the Engadget YouTube channel. Davindra and I will be here to talk about Apple with you. We'll then on the 19th, Apple. yes. On the 19th, will be myself and Jess Condit watching Google's live stream for the Pixel 6 with you. On the 20th, y'all can go watch Samsung on your own. You know, uh, I don't expect anything super big out of the Samsung event. Uh, I know a lot of rumors are around fan edition versions of things. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. But don't, don't forget Sony. Sony has something uh, coming Lord on Lord. the 26th, 25th. Uh, I can't tell I with their, their dates, but there's going to be a new Sony Xperia product announcement. The thing yep. everybody has been waiting for, another Xperia phone. Oh, Sony. And also with the best names. Like, apparently, mm-hmm. what are we at? The Sony Xperia 1, 3, 400, tau- <laughs> 10, 10K something now. I don't even know mm-hmm. with the Xperia names. But thankfully, I will be telling someone else to talk to Sony. Like, I really oh don't want to. I can't anymore. I Can we can't. briefly, let's just go over. What do we expect for the Google event? Like Pixel 6. Pixel 6. Yeah. More, I mean, but what? More camera? Bigger screen? Okay. Yeah. So the big thing about the Pixel 6 was the Tensor processor. And mm-hmm. we heard first about the Tensor, I think, last month uh you wrote up about google's that own, yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. google's own um uh chipset right for the for the phone so with its own chip the the company is able to do a lot of ai processors really well on the phone because it has a tensor processor unit in the chip um and then also photography is supposed to have a lot more improvements there's also uh, significant improvements to the camera hardware on the Pixel 6. So we're, we're you know, hoping to see what that will bring. We're going to learn more about the specs, basically, and uh, the, t- the CPU specs as well. The, I'm sorry, Tensor specs as well. Um, and pricing and availability and all of that good stuff. Because everything else, we already know, right? We've seen these things. Google stuck one on its store display in the Chelsea <laughs> store in New York. You could go look yeah. at it all you wanted already. There's not yep. that much to to wonder. It is coming. We know. It, it's a phone. Yeah. And it's for a- Samsung, are, are we thinking just more colors? Like, I think that's the... <laughs> just phone that's colors? Our, that's, that's the rumor. We need a whole event for that. Um, and Sony, new Xperia phones. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yep. Sure. There you go. All the ga- all the gadgets. <laughs> Never let it be known that nobody will ever say... What happens to Tektober ever again? I swear <laughs> to God. Don't, oh my don't God. do it. Don't do it. It it never ends. In other news, too, we, uh, hey, the Moto Edge is back and we reviewed the hey. 2021 edition of the Moto Edge. Hey, I, yeah. I like the Moto Edge, sure. It, yeah, and last year's Moto Edge was really all about like that dual curved screen, you know, because Samsung mm-hmm. didn't do it a few years ago, I guess. Um, and this one, 
actually returns this year to a flat screen, uh, a flat LCD. But this is a $550 or $500 phone um, for now. It jumps up to $700 after like a, like a promotional period. But for that price, you're getting a screen that can go up to 144 hertz. So there sure, you go. Good. If you want to read about how meaningful that might be, go check out the review by Igor uh, on the Engadget team. Hello. Something else happened this week. Yeah. We had some spacey news. Uh, I mean, listen, Captain Kirk went to space. He, uh, William Shatner, cool. is the oldest Hasn't person to reach been? space, or at least the outer edge of space, on a on a Blue Origin rocket. So that was cool. That was nice to outer. see. So similar to what <laughs> I guess Bezos did, right? Uh-huh. The outer edges of of the Earth uh, of the atmosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. It's cool. Um, it's cool. Uh, yeah. I was worried because this he is 90 years old. He's not a, you know, spring chicken mm-hmm. anymore. I do wonder, <laughs> like, imagine, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that show review. On, uh, oh, man, this is actually, this actually would have been that. But the show review on Comedy Central, uh. there, there is one sketch where they did a space tourism flight. And yeah. uh, a very old person died in the middle of the flight. And oh, it's just no. a corpse flo- floating around. No. I was like, oh, my God, don't, uh, please, don't, don't do that to William Shatner. Uh, he has blocked pretty much everybody on Engadget due to a spat from I'm like 2015. Blocked. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, th- there's a whole thing. There's a lot of drama going on around yes, with William Shatner, but I, I love him as Captain Kirk, and I've loved many of his other shows. Uh, I do kind of wish he and Leonard Nimoy were able to do this together. You know, I feel like oh, that yeah. would have been the most fitting thing. Um, but hey, this is cool to see. It shows the uh, like Blue Origin is actually doing the thing um of actually getting people to space you just have to be very rich uh i I see a note from our video team saying nathan from ted lasso should go to space and stay there how dare you how dare you how dare you never don't do that don't don't no mm. we will we will talk about nate's turn to the dark side at some point yeah we can talk about that yeah not yet um (laughs) later on uh there was Lots of hardware news this week. Specifically, Acer had an event this week as well. Hey, again, once again, Techtober not happening? Never mind. Acer launch, like usually has uh, a global event in October as well, where it launches a slew of laptops. Sometimes it launches wearables and, and VR stuff. This time around, we got a 3D laptop. Devendra, you want to tell me about this 3D laptop? I mean, sure, it's something we've heard about. Uh, it has glasses-free 3D technology from Spatial Labs. So the idea, it's a very unusual display that can, uh, I don't know, maybe like the 3DS is very similar. Um, okay. But depending on how you're looking at it, it can like simulate 3D. I've seen this technology, and I forget if it was the same company, but I've seen this like previewed. Uh, with Asus laptops too, I believe, like Asus ROG laptops. So a couple of companies have been looking at this, and it's a cool idea for people, especially if they're working in 3D. If you're a 3D artist, the ability to see your model kind of projected in actual space is kind of cool. Um, So that's the main thing. This is not for everybody, but it's a cool thing to have. Uh, I do think eventually, like, this is why we're working on AR glasses and everything. Like, eventually you want... Your um, you want to just put on something that'll give you that AR view or 3D view, or like honestly, these days, like you can just like pull out your phone and have your phone like let you walk around the 3D object, which kind of gives you a lens to uh, yeah. of AR. So there, there are a lot of ways to do this. 
I don't think this tech is going to go anywhere, but it seems kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of other stuff that Acer unveiled as well, including a slew of eco-friendly Vero products that has like, you know, laptops, towers, monitors, trade-in programs, etc. There's an antimicrobial product portfolio as well some predator gaming products some chromebooks some concept d creator level notebooks and displays and projectors oh my lord acer had an event basically okay y'all go check out engadget for the mm -hmm. for the pertinent details if you're interested in acer laptop too this might be time to to see or, mm -hmm. or even any laptop right to yeah. see what's out there and compare prices and stuff like that Let's take a look their um, gaming laptops especially their like mid-range gaming laptop line i think is really good mm -hmm. and really solid so yeah. always worth keeping an eye on acer i know i think we tend to report more on asus uh just because they mm -hmm. they produce a lot more devices that we want to review but don't yeah. don't discount acer how about that um yeah. another device that has been leaked <laughs> Apparently is the HTC Vive Flow headset, oh which uh, there have been some leaked images and <laughs> it looks like a giant pair, a giant pair of like bug eyed sunglasses, <laughs> I guess. Like apparently this thing is going to be a personal like home, a personal theater for you to sit back and watch video. Uh, maybe there will be some VR support. There's a lot we don't know. Uh, there were some leaked images. Uh, uh, what is funny is that. After we saw these leaked images, and people were like, yeah. "Hey, these are just uh, these are just stock photos that they just <laughs> photoshopped glasses on top of people." <laughs> Good Photoshop. I don't even. Good Photoshop. Like, sure. What's funny about this is like because HTC hasn't come out as mm -hmm. of this recording to say anything yet, right? <laughs> we don't know if it's HTC that did this. Oh no, it's absolutely it HTC after. that did this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, HTC Vive, HTC Vive, which is a separate company from like HTC, the phone company, like it was a whole thing. Um, uh, it was sad to see like what happened to HTC because I feel like they pioneered a lot of design and great stuff uh, around Android smartphones. The HTC One was like the first smartphone I genuinely like really loved. And then Apple took so much of that design into all of their iPhones the following. Um, you know, HTC Vive has to compete against Facebook's unlimited bank account, right? So they can't they can't afford to always like, you know, get real photos with actual working units and stuff. Like but if you can, you know, get one of your good photoshopping staff to just take a right. 3D, take an image and like, you know, just put it put it right over a model's face. Uh that's just as good, right? I, I think know. I don't I, I I think it's funny as hell that they wouldn't just take their own photos, but they just photoshopped it. I, I it probably doesn't efficient. exist. It doesn't exist. Right. Like is exactly. the thing. Like the final design so, of whatever these things are don't exist yet. Or mm -hmm. take your own stock photos, but I guess yeah. it's cheaper to, to, to buy them. Anyway, that was uh that was circulating and that was just more fun news to add to the mix. Uh you know, according to the people that reported on this too, apparently we're very close to the official announcement. So uh you know, another thing for October, I guess. Anyway, if you guys want to hear or stay on top of all this news in October, you know, make sure to send us, well, no, make sure to read Engadget. And then also, if you have any thoughts for like companies you want to see throw their names into the mix, you can always send it to us uh, at podcast.engadget.com. Maybe, maybe keep an eye on Engadget today if you want to learn more about these HTC things. Like there's a lot for happening. Everything. Yeah. There's everything a lot happening. For everything. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> happening all at once. 
let's move on to what we're working on. Uh, I am in the middle of reviewing AMD's Radeon RX 6600, which are is going to be their cheapest GPU of the 6000 series line. It's very confusing um, because I think they're aiming to like make these cards like $330, but that's not going to happen. That's that's not how the GPU market works right now. Uh, I was looking around online, the 6600 XT, which came out a couple months ago and was supposed to retail for around $379, is currently going for like $700 to $800 online. Well, oh, because of the shortage, so this, yeah. This whole market is is just kind of doomed. So I don't know. I'm kind of working on this in my review. I don't quite know why AMD decided to release this model at all. Maybe it's a way for them to reuse, like, um, especially lower tier hardware are basically rejects that, you know, from hardware that they tried to build for the newer, for the better models. Maybe all the cores didn't work well or certain components didn't work well. They get put in like a reject pile and maybe they had enough of those rejects to create a cheaper model that some people could enjoy. I don't quite know. This is not going to get a high score in my reviews, but uh, keep an eye out for that. Sherlyn, what are you working on? Hey, you know everything that's going on next week? Yeah, I'm working on all of that. Uh, I just finished this review. I'm working on, uh, you know, prepping for whatever's coming up, as well as some other reviews that uh, I can't really talk about. So I will just say, a lot of people keep asking me on Twitter, just being like, hey, are you reviewing this yet? Hey, are you reviewing that yet? Like, guys, I... My advice would just be to be like, hey, there's some publicly known information. Certain dates and times are out there. So just just those patterns in the past have been those dates are important. You just go look at them. That's all I can say. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. I'll let you lead this one, Trillin. What do you really? got this week? Yeah, sure. All right. So instead of watching anything lately, because I simply refuse to get on the Squid Game hype train, I have been playing games. And uh, yes, some of them are very disappointing, like the this. <laughs> oh, sorry. This Candy Crush style <laughs> game. <laughs> Sorry, have been playing, um, but uh, but no, I've actually played um, been playing two games recently that I thought were surprisingly mm-hmm. good. One, uh, and and our video team's gonna hate me because I'm gonna reverse the order on this. The oh, first boy. one is everyone knows this game is Crossy Road. Crossy Road. Crossy Road. Uh-huh. Um, it's fun. It's basically jaywalking as Did an you animal. Just d- discover Crossy Road. I only started playing it like this week. <laughs> this game is Frogger. Um, this just, game is Frogger. It's yeah. not just jaywalking as an animal, but yeah, okay. Yeah, it's pretty fun uh, <laughs> because it's very mindless. But no, that's that's my like what I've been playing. At, I want. I want to. I wonder what would happen if we put you in front of like a Frogger machine or some of the like eighties yeah. games. Yeah. Gosh, maybe. I mean, who knows? You would just but, be there but, forever. We never. Yeah, never I leave. would. I used to play like those spot the difference between the pictures games and the, the bar games and, and arcades. Yeah, I love those. I love those. Every time I'm in a bar, my, I'm forcing my friends to like huddle over there and watch with me and play with me. But anyway, um, one like my favorite, I, I don't know. I find it so morbid that when this chicken dies, I keep laughing. Like every time I throw her into a train, I'm like, ha ha, bitch. Like I just, <laughs> I don't even know why I do that. But I'm just like, okay, hop on to suicide. Anyway. Um, that's the morbid animal game I've been playing. But the other game that I, I want to shout out and you'll, you're less likely to have heard of it is this game called Kitty Cat Tycoon. I've um, heard of Kitty Cat Tycoon. Yeah. It's so cute. Um, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Little, so, like little cat slave labor, apparently. 
Yeah. yeah, basically, it's slave uh-huh. labor with cats, mm-hmm. and every time you force them to do something, they meow. So, <laughs> it's, you set up this assembly line, they're supposed to make furniture, you're supposed to upgrade your equipment, you're supposed uh-huh. to hire managers to watch over the staff so the staff don't slack off. It's very weird. Is the, also, are the managers dogs? Like, uh, are no, the managers, the managers more cats? are cats in clothes. They're fat cats. The managers yeah. wear clothes. So there you go. I guess when you make more money, you can afford some fits. But anyway, uh, there, there's a whole very... like lecture in capitalism going on in this game. Yeah, yeah. It's very it's very relaxing though, which is like when you're not stressing out thinking about capitalism. Uh, uh, it's... You're stressing out like a on a production line game. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's but it's relaxing. Like there's no there's targets to meet but no deadline, which is fun. And then you can play like you can leave it on the background, it'll still keep going, but when you come in you're you're more productive and stuff, and you make more money yeah. when you're actively tapping things. You know, the there, there's a lot the of effects. there's a lot of reporting out there about like how entire generations of kids who have been basically trained to be overachievers uh <laughs> are are a little broken, you know, because yeah, uh yeah. The, They've been trained to go to school and everything. I was part of that system. I think you were too, yeah. Sherlyn. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it is funny. It is funny to see you gravitating towards this thing. This is it's yeah. a great idol game though. I don't need to think t- too much about anything. I just poke at the ones that have arrows on them. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, what I love most though about this game, uh, let let's ignore the fact that it, in principle it's a very weird game. Um, I love the animation. It's very cute. I love the um kind of weird broken English instructions and also the cat sounds. I never thought I would enjoy hearing cats meow so much. Every time you put them, they go really? meow. Like, I, I want to play it uh, for you guys. Where actually, do you play? Is it because... a phone game? Yeah, so this is an app that I've checked this on both iOS and Android, and I'm going to maybe turn on some of the sound here. Okay, so... Yeah. Enjoy listening to that for like... This is this is what I imagine going is going on in your head, Trillin. Yes. When we're talking about serious things. <laughs> uh, it's like anyway. in the Simpsons when they look into Homer Simpson's brain. Like, what is happening? Do 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 do. Yep, this is my brain, y'all. So, for an inside look at the way Sherlyn's brain works, check out Kitty Cat Tycoon. Be productive <laughs> while meowing. Uh, let me just say, it's good having real cat meows around. I have three cats now, so uh. <laughs> when we're on the couch, uh, I always have like two cats within arm's length. It's really mm-hmm. great. It's a good thing to have, especially during these troubling times. Go adopt some pets, people. You have you have a fun one for us, though. I'm in- interested in this one. Oh, yeah, I do have a fun one. I saw a press screening of Dune, a movie we've been waiting for for a very long time. Denis Villeneuve's Dune. And uh, I have to say, uh, I I love this movie. This movie is very long. It's very big. It's very epic. I've never really been into the Dune books or anything. I've tried to read it so many times. It felt... It's just like kind of a slog for me. Like I just was not really uh, entranced by the story. But what is really cool about this film is that, you know, Denis Villeneuve is a he is a guy who always aims big with his science fiction, like Arrival in Blade Runner uh, 2049. Um, Is it 2049? Um, But yeah, 2042. I have to look that up. Um, But his like I love the way I love all of his films. And certainly the way he approaches science fiction is very like um, it's on a grand, grand scale, you know, and I I think being able to tell the story of Dune while showing like 
the scale of alien planets and enormous ships that, you know, um, you know, house thousands of people. The sheer weight of this film really comes through in this adaptation. Uh, my only big gripe with it is that, man, it is uh, it is half the book. It does feel like literally I, yeah. half the book. So yeah. half the first book of Dune. So when it ends, I'm like, that that's it? Like, we're not what's happening what's what's gonna happen right. to everybody and uh ostensibly like we'll see the conclusion in dune part two at some point dune part two has not been greenlit so it is a weird thing where if this movie is not successful enough um you will never this will be all we'll see uh maybe eventually like it could turn into a tv show or something there is a dune like side story tv show coming to hbo max eventually but a TV version of this story would not have the same like budget or scale or the same actors. And I just, I love like watching this movie and just letting it sweep over me. And it's just like really, really cool shit. That's, that's really all I have to say about it. It is like, it's Oscar Isaac in space armor looking like a, a goddamn space daddy. And Zendaya, Zendaya is in it for three. Yeah. Zendaya is in it for Zendaya, three minutes. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, not. No, only yeah. she, three she's, minutes. she's, she's barely in it. Um, the point in which you would see more Zendaya, the movie ends. So it, it is very strange. Um, and certainly there are like arguments you can make too about Dune being a, a white savior narrative and a story about this essentially about Middle Eastern characters that has no Middle Eastern actors too. Like it, it, there's a lot of like cultural borrowing and whatnot there. We can have that conversation, but I think as a science fiction experience, this movie really, really succeeds. And I just would love to see, uh, I would love to be guaranteed that we'd see the story continued. Um, it seems like what they should have done is what they did with Lord of the Rings, where Peter Jackson just basically got this really, really crazy deal to make all three of those movies at once. And I think it was New Line at the time was just like, hey, sure, we'll take a big swing because we're looking, mm -hmm. we're looking for like big new franchises. And that really worked out well. I wish they had just greenlit both of these films. And like we were, right. I knew for sure next year or something, we would see Dune part two. That's my only hesitation. But uh, if you like science fiction, if you like thoughtful science fiction, certainly like this is a slow burn movie too. Like there, there are action sequences, but this is more about the texture of being in an enormous you know, alien world. Um, right. Go see this on the biggest screen that you can safely. That, that's the thing I'll say for everybody. It's going to be on HBO Max uh, next week. Um, I think it's next week when this movie uh, premieres, uh, October 22nd. So you'll be able to watch nice. it home, but... You will not get the sense of like what this movie is accomplishing unless you're watching it on an enormous screen. So going back into the real world after watching Dune is like, man, real world is so much smaller. <laughs> it's a lot less <laughs> epic. There are no giant sandworms trying to eat me. You know, there aren't any giant oh. ships. There's no cool space armor. It does. The reality of this movie is so like heightened that it makes mm -hmm. the real world just seem duller in comparison. Yeah. So it, it's one of those movies. I think it's worth seeing on the big screen if you can. Uh, and we'll be writing about it and gadget soon too. I want to dive into yeah. the sound design of this movie because oh. it is like really, really cool kind of what they do. So I'm, I was hyped for this movie. It kind of lived up to my expectations. Uh, I'm just, I hope we see a sequel, you know, or the, the second half of the story. It's not even a sequel. It is, the the end of the story. Yeah, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a good way to get people to buy the book. You know, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, Dune has been around since the '60s. You know, yeah, but <laughs> it, it if, is, if you like, yeah, 
if you ha- don't have a copy mm-hmm. and you're like itching to to resolve the the, the I have tried reading under. Dune so many times. Uh, if anybody wants to give me tips, sure. Uh, <laughs> I I may like I I can tell what's gonna happen. Uh, it's more like I want to see more of this world with these actors and with this like level of budget and scale. I hope we get to see the rest of that story. But hey, if you're a sci-fi fan, if you were wondering like if this movie would live up to it. Um, check it out uh one of my favorite writers right now is walter chaw and he did a great Mm. review of this film over at film freak central so go check that out well that's it for the episode this week everyone thank you as always for listening our theme music is by game composer dale north our outro music is by our very own terrence o'brien the podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter. And I do the Filmcast podcast at thefilmcast.com. Check out our review of Dune coming soon. Also, Squid Games. We did the whole thing. Oh. If you want to send me all of your kitty cat tycoon furniture pictures, you can throw them on to Twitter. I'm at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify.